this uh, morning, I get the uh, privilege, in some ways, of delivering some bittersweet news. Some bittersweet news, which means there's a little bit some bitter, which means not so good, and some good. So here's, here's the initial part of all that. So this Sunday is our very last Sunday in the Salmon Creek American Legion. It's the last Sunday that we will gather together in this space. Next week, as John iterated, we will be at Grace and Glory Community Church for our Summer Fun Sunday, just a collaborative worship and unity to, to live out some of what I'm actually going to talk about together th with us this morning, which means July 4th, if you show up here at either 9.15 or 10.45 a.m., we will actually be just up the street in a facility right around the corner. And we'll actually, in two weeks on July 4th, we will actually be gathering together at one time at 10.30, bringing the whole family together for a time of just collaborative, just, just gathering together. So yes, we're going from two gatherings to one to bring the family together. Now, the reason why some of that's exciting, we got some people cheering about that, is because of some of what I'm going to talk about today. Now, the reason why it's a little bit bittersweet, we're excited for the facility, we're excited to be together all as one, it's a little bit sad for me to kind of leave gathering at this place. For some of you who don't know the story, let me, let me set the scene. It was two years ago. Um, it was early in 2019. A small group of people were gathering together uh, with me and my family in our home. And we were praying and talking about what God wanted to do with Generations Church. The vision, the values, how we were going to express all of that. How we were going to try to live out our faith where we live, work, and play in the community. And we were talking together and we were having conversations and we, we, were, we were brainstorming different ideas. And out of that meeting came an idea to have an Easter service to kind of give everyone a preview of what Generation Church was going to be like. So for about 10 weeks, I emailed, I called, I sent text messages to all different kinds of facilities. I contacted somewhere between 10 and 12 facilities. And I either got told no, you can't meet here, we don't want you here, I didn't hear back. And so out of the meetings, we thought we were going to do something for that Easter and so for about 10 weeks, I was dis disheartened. God, we're, we're, we're starting up this church. We're gathering together. We want to do something for you, but it's not working out. So came back together with a group of people, and I just shared. I remember that, that meeting. I was honest, and I said, guys, I feel like I failed. We haven't even got started yet, and we can't find a place to meet. I don't know what to do. And the wisdom of the people in that gathering said, let's pray, and let's see what God wants to do. So together we prayed and asked God to just 
What should we do? And out of that meeting came the idea to say, let's do a community Easter egg hunt. Let's do a barbecue. Let's do something fun for Easter. Let's not do a service. Let's, if we can't find a space to meet, let's go to a public space and invite people to join us. And so we did. And so our very first Easter kind of event, uh, community outreach, was born. And so we had over 150 people at that community park that first Easter. And what was so amazing is I still remember the very next Monday, the phone call I got. Hey, Kyle, this is Gary from the Salmon Creek American Legion. We've heard that you've been inquiring about a space to meet for a church. I think we might be able to help you out. Why don't you come in and talk? And I walked in with all kinds of nervousness to Gary's office when I showed up that Monday to meet with him. He said, hey, Kyle, I I just got to tell you, I've heard a little bit about generations. We got your voicemail a couple weeks ago, but we needed some time to inquire about you all. Can I tell you what I've heard? Yeah. Of course. Nervous? Yes. Yeah, like any, anything. Hey, we, we heard that you packed 10,000 meals for kids and families in the community for a generosity feeds event with a couple other churches. We heard you did Thanksgiving baskets for families at the local school. We heard that you did coats, hats, and gloves. And oh yeah, we, we knew that you guys weren't even really a church yet, and you were doing all these things. We heard that you were tutoring in the school. We heard that you just did a big Easter party for all kinds of kids and family for the community. We can't help but have you here. I'm like, okay, Gary, this is great. Now tell me what it's going to cost us. Because, you know, my mind, for those of you who know me, is like, this is, seems really good. Seems too good to be true. Now, what, what, what's, what's, what's it going to cost? And Gary said, Kyle, I, I want to put an offer for you guys on the table. You've been a blessing to our community. We want to be a blessing to you. Hey, if you would come in and paint some walls and put in some ceiling tiles, we'll let you gather here rent-free. The Salmon Creek American Legion has been such a blessing to Generations Church because we have gathered here for almost two years and haven't paid a dime. We haven't had to spend anything on on a facility or rent. And they've even let us park our trailer out back. I know some some of the sweetness is not having to load and unload that thing every week for those of you who have helped pack that and who helped set up and tear down. But they've been a just blessing to us. So it's a little bit bitter for me to say, like, that this chapter of the Generation Church story is coming to an end as we begin a beautiful new one in a new facility and new space. And I am so thankful for how God has worked. And I am appreciative of the legion and i'm excited for what's ahead because see from day one the generations church vision was to be a family to be a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding god's family together because of jesus for generations to come and it's been a blessing to gather here It's been a blessing to do events together that we're going to still continue to do. That that part of our chapter isn't done yet. But while we've gathered here, we have seen strangers become neighbors. And neighbors become family. 
Some of you have joined the journey at different points. You weren't there in the early days of the living room. You've joined after our initial gathering or gathered here or because of an event. But we've been able to gather here. We've been able to do this together and we'll continue to do so in a new location. We want to be a people, to be everyday people who continue to pursue Jesus together, to expand the family of God, to see strangers become neighbors, and neighbors become family. Now, this wasn't some idea that I created in some back room, like alley, with like just me thinking of something else. This was something birthed out of a group of people who come together to seek God and others. It's come together because of real people in a real time, in a real place, has sought God and sought to see people, see strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. Because at the core, when we say we are everyday people, that's what we mean by that. We are people who live seven days a week, 24 hours a day, go to jobs, have families, have, uh, have just crazy lives at points. Things that don't just quite add up. And are including and inviting others into that. So at the end of the day, people get to walk with God. People get to see the goodness of God, the relentlessness of His love. And to be a part of that family that pursues people. Like I said, I, I come up with this on my own, and I actually think we got a good basis in Scripture. That's, that's why I really enjoy Acts chapter 2. Because he, here's the scene. Jesus has left the scene. He's gone back to heaven. And there the apostles, those his followers, kind of a small group of people are trying to think about, okay, so what's next? We've been told we're supposed to wait here, and Jesus is going to give us some instructions. Well, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and indwells people so that wherever they go, God is then with them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Peter stands up. I'm going to tip this if I, do, if I don't lock that, but it's not locking. So this computer might flip. I pushed real hard. Sorry, sidetrack. Scroll, scroll brain today. So the Holy Spirit comes and Peter stands up and preaches a sermon. And he recounts the story of God. And he shows how God has pursued people, how God is relentless, how God is good. And then how people who are there can hear, can be invited and a part of this wonderful family. And they ask, what must we do to be saved? Translation, what must we do to actually be a part of this family? What must we do to join this journey? And he says, repent, believe, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people did that. See, it was God-initiated. People responded in faith and expressed that adoption and baptism. And that is the same call and the plea to us and to you, the one that we want you to extend to others. As, as we live out being the family of God, wherever we find ourselves, what must we do to enter into that family? Know that God initiated it. You can respond in faith and express it in bat baptism. 
and then go on the journey of being family. And so the people, they're learning what it looks like to be family, what it looks like to be the family of God. And here we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Now in this passage, there are four priorities that this new family who's trying to figure out how to live out the kind of the house rules of sorts. Did any of you guys have house rules when you grew up? Like, you know, like you had certain things that like this is the way things operated. And, you know, and sometimes when you'd walk into other people's houses, the, 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 the parent or on the side would be like, hey, this is what we do. We take off our shoes or we don't take off our shoes or like dogs in the house, dogs in the house. Hey, when you're done with your food on the plate, like you need to go put it in the, the dishwasher or you could leave it because someone else was going to come clean it up. Like everyone, everyone's got a different set of house rules. So as this family is being formed. There are these four priorities that happen to help everyone get on the same type of kind of house rules. And the four priorities are, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. They devoted themselves to the way of Jesus, to hearing the scriptures, to learning the scriptures, to slow down and hear and apply it to their life. That's why we talked about last week and week two of our analog series. They devoted themselves to fellowship, which just means kind of this conversational, this connection, this back and forth to the breaking of bread. They spent time eating and remembering their union and to prayer. And what came out of that was all kinds of amazing things. It says everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. Translation. Because of them living out these four priorities and the nine byproducts that came out of that, strangers became neighbors and neighbors became family. When I look at that passage, when I look at that passage, I see the nine byproducts. I see that miracles were done. That people had things in common. They were joyful. They were sincere. They ate food together. It was a party. There was community. It was family. There was some chaos. As anyone with kids knows, it's a little bit chaotic. But what was there? They had things in common. They liked being around each other. And I think so many times in our world, our hearts long when we chase after the byproducts while not devoting ourselves to the priorities. We want all the blessings. We want the miracles. We want the signs. We want to be liked. We want to like others. We want things to go well. We want supernatural provision. We want God's family to grow. And, in, and we pursue all those things while not necessarily pursuing the priorities. In our digital age, 
we oftentimes, we set out for what we see in the byproducts, and we wonder why it's so elusive. So we need to subversive practices that cultivate a connection and combat individualism and isolation. We need analog experiences, being in a real place with real people, to develop community and connection that combats our pull, our world's pull towards individualism and isolation. Now, where does this come from? Let's, Let's back this up a little bit. The reason the series is called Analog is because it's the opposite of uh, the digital world in which we live in. The digital age has three key values. Digital age has three key values. Speed, choice, and individualism. Let me get that up here on the slide, Richard. Let me get that up here on the slide so everyone can see. Speed, choice, and individualism. What happens is when we buy into these values, something happens. We become impatient, we become shallow, and we become isolated. Richard, can I show that next? When we buy into the values, what happens is we become impatient, we become shallow, and we become isolated. See, the reason we need the different practices, the reason we need to devote ourselves to these priorities is to be subversive to the impatient nature of our culture, where we don't give people the time or day, where we expect things to happen really, really quickly, where we are shallow and our relationships stay superficial, kind of like the scroll or skipping from one thing to the next just to to get some entertainment or some appeasement, where we don't actually go deep with God and learn His story and His will for our lives, and we stay isolated. Because everything is customizable. Chances are, if you have any sort of like Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus, that it says recommended for you based on your preferences. You can customize your phone. You can make pictures what you want. You can move the apps. You can make get certain notifications at certain times. No, mine has this feature called automations where it's like I can set things up to do a sp- things at a specific place at a specific time. But what happens is by our digital age, because everything is customizable, we keep people at a distance because we can't necessarily customize them. We can't customize them. We can't control them. And what happens is is, is when, when we are thrust into relationship, the conflict of values is evident. Where we're either forced to let our preferences rule or be present. And what my hope is for Generations Church, if we are to really be the family of God, if we're really to be everyday people that expand the family of God because of Jesus, then we will put presence over preference. That we will seek to lay down that customizable option that that everything's about me and give up some of that for the sake of others because ultimately when we gather, what unites us is Jesus. See, the, the, the four practices that they devoted themselves to were communal. They did that with others. The breaking of bread, they did that together. The pr- praying 
for and with others. The prayers they offered up were with others. Fellowship, you can't fellowship by yourself. You must do it with others. Even the style of teaching was a little more dialectic, was a little more back and forth, was a little more conversational. Which is why when we try to cultivate this community here, we expect interaction. That's why when Charles stands up here in the middle of singing a song and says, can I get an amen? We want people to say amen. When, when, when he says hallelujah, we want people to speak back and say hallelujah. Why? Because it's conversational. It's participatory. It's inclusive. It's not something where we just download some content to you that you can then should be transferred everywhere. Because you can get that content at any point in time. But there's something supernatural that happens. When we step into relationship, when we step into a space, and we actually gather with others. Because we have to be patient with others. We can't just skip from point A to point B. We've got to have a little bit more depth. And we combat our preferential individualism by choosing to step out of isolation and into community. See, the subversive practice that I'm referencing here, that I've, I've said a little bit, is called gathering. Some may call it hospitality. Others may call it hosting. Some may call it simply being a good friend. I think at the end of the day, we've got to be people who gather. That's why we call our service not a service on Sundays. We're purposeful with our language. It's a gathering because the gathering doesn't just have to happen on Sunday. You, you can break bread. You can have conversation. You can talk about spiritual things. You can talk about the scriptures. You can be reminded what unites you and the other person that you've gotten to know. Maybe it's Jesus Monday through Saturday. See, because there's all kinds of things that can bring us together. Being fantasy football fans, Seattle Seahawks, music, politics. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can bring us together. Those things can also divide. Because as I reference some of that, some of you go, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Seahawks fan. You know, I'm a Steelers fan. So down with the Seahawks or a 49ers or a Raiders. See, see when, when we start to do things by different affinity or groups, or things that we can customizable and we can curate. Those things can also divide. But at the end of the day, we need, we need to step into relationships that where the one thing that unites us is Jesus. At the end of the day, when we all come from different backgrounds, walks of life, it's not our shoes that we wear, the cars that we drive, the jobs that we have, the kids that we have or don't. It's not whether, today's Father's Day, it's not whether we, we had a good dad or we had a bad dad, or whether our dad was distanced or whether he's loving, whether he's even alive or dead. At the end of the day, what brings us together is Jesus where we can love and support, where we can bring compassion and care into a tangible reality. 
not because we're trying to, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but because we've devoted ourselves to four priorities that we can't help but show up for someone who needs it. We can't help but, but demonstrate a little bit of love and care, a little bit of patience when someone needs it. We can't help but show up to someone's house and maybe do some dishes or fold, fold some laundry. Where we can't help but when someone's having a, a tough day because they feel alone, that we show up and bring them a Dutch Bros or a Black Rock. Uh, we can't help but say, man, I know you're having a tough week, but let's go golfing. Or hey, I, I actually, because we've gotten to know each other, let's go fishing together. Well, let me take you out to a meal. Where, where, what, what brings us together is not our preferences, but the presence of Jesus in our lives and allowing that presence to affect every area so that we can be present with others. So that we can see strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. See, the house rules that we play by is a totally different set. It's one that comes from Jesus being present with us. Helping us go from strangers to family through his life, death, and resurrection. See, when we begin to gather, whether it's on the couch, at the dinner table, at a coffee shop, on a Sunday, and we have these spiritual conversations, how God, how, how are you shaping my life? How are you shaping your life? What does Jesus say about this? And we slow down with Scripture, and we're present and patient with those teachings with others. And we have these conversations. We'll start to recoil out reducing a person to a category or label. That we start to see God's image reflect in the eyes of every human being on earth. That they know that, that, that you, we ourselves are like the meth addicts or the sex trade workers. That we take our own sins seriously, including sin of selfishness and pride. And we take God's holiness, His goodness, His love seriously. That we use the Bible as a lifeline and the Spirit as a guide with no exceptions. That we gather with others consistently, persistently, religiously resemble, the, that, that, that we religiously pursue people and Jesus. Because we are being shaped by the story. But in order to do this, it necessitates building some margin into our time of the day. Time where our regular routines can be disrupted, but not destroyed. Where the, we have some margin for the Lord to fill. To take an older neighbor to the doctor. To babysit on the fly. To make room for a family displaced by a fire or a worldwide refugee crisis. Maybe you even choose to live below your means. You don't choose to live paycheck to paycheck. You choose to live below your paycheck just so you have a little extra to be able to tangibly bless people. Because you're being shaped by the story of Jesus. And you want to create some room so that when a need arises, when you spend time with someone else and they go, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent this month. I don't know how I'm, going to, how I'm going to have enough gas to get from point A to point B. You've said, I've chosen to create some margin in my life so that I can be a blessing to others. And what happens 
is when we extend that, it reciprocates. And there are people who are watching on the edges, going, what type of community does that? What type of people do that? It's the type of people that desire to see strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. And we can do that when we create margin. When the, when the roles I, I joked about a second ago about doing laundry or doing dishes, when the roles of, of, of host and guest are interchangeable. Because you know when you show up to someone's house and they got a, a pile of laundry on, on, on the couch or on the bed, and because you're learning to become family, you see a need, you meet a need. So maybe you fold some laundry. Maybe the lawn needs mowed, and you don't even think twice. You just say, okay, I'm going to go get my lawnmower and go mow their lawn. And they don't take it personal. They don't take offense because they know you've taken the time to know their story in their life. And so you can tangibly love and care. That's what happens when strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. And then the strangers and maybe even the physical neighbors who live around us in our lives go, what type of community is that? How are you guys brought together? And we can say we do this because of Jesus. And it's because of Jesus. And we're willing to have these spiritual conversations, to gather, to be present with each other. See, the gathering lived out in the world lives out the family values and then prays and includes others. Where those who don't yet know the Lord are summoned for food and connection. They're invited on a fishing trip to play some music, golf. I'm just talking about some of those things because that's some of the things I've done recently. You've got some things in your life that you've done recently. Maybe it's just a trip to the grocery store. Hey, I know you're a little bit lonely or alone. Why don't you hop in the car and go with me? Let's go to the grocery store. i got to run some errands. Hey, I've got to go sit at Dutch Bros and work. Well, you can't sit at Dutch Bros, so bad example. Sit at a Black Rock and work, you know. See, families are messy. They, they, like, they say wrong things at wrong times when they're trying to prove a point. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're doing it together. And we're helping others be that type of connection and see that. Which means, I think, to kind of as I wrap up today, as I conclude... I think we just got to embrace the awkward. We got to embrace that the things aren't might be quite as put together as we'd hope they'd be. That things aren't, we're not always going to have the answers. That at the end of the day, commitment is more important than compatibility. That our commitment to each other and to Jesus is more important than everything being right and sync that everything being loaded at the right time in the right way, that the schedule's being perfectly aligned, but we're committing to each other and to Jesus, that we are going to commune, we are going to connect, we're not going to let things like sports, politics, economics, clothes, stage of life, race, ethnicity divide, but we're going to choose to be together. So we may need to let a question hang in the air. Embrace some of the awkward. Don't put words in people's mouths or actions in people's lives by assuming you'll know what they'll do. But instead, embrace to, in, the awkward. To gather with each other and to prioritize when you get together. 
the spiritual nature, the spiritual nature of the relationship, of the relationship with Jesus, time with each other, and pointing each other back to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, what keeps us going, what keeps us moving forward, what enables us to make the statement that commitment matters more than compatibility is Jesus. So may we be connected to him. May we devote our lives to following him. And if you are someone who wants that type of life, who wants to see miracles work, who wants to see prayers answered, who wants to see more people become part of the family, who wants to have things in common, to have a life filled with joy. You can't chase after those for chasing after those sake to get those. We must be able to devote ourselves to these priorities. And as we do that, we're going to watch God work. And to see strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. Let's pray. God, you are good. And I'm thankful for you being a good dad and a good father. That enables us to just unite together. Not because we have all kinds of things figured out. But in sometimes because we have, don't have things figured out. And we need you. God, help us to just live that out. Help us to be slow and patient with each other and patient with you. Help us to dive deep and then help us to truly step into community. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.